Good morning. Today's Bible reading will be from John 11, verses 32 to 36. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, my Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. This is the word of God. Well, today we kick off a brand new sermon series that we've called Untangled, Making Sense of Our Emotions. As the title suggests, for the next five weeks, we're going to be exploring our emotions, what the Bible has to say about them, why God has given them to us, and how we can navigate them in our day-to-day lives. Now, let me be clear about a few things from the outset. Firstly, this series will not be exhaustive. Emotions are a complex topic, and we won't be able to cover everything. I'm sure you'll get to the end of the series and you'll think, yes, but what about this, and what about that, and we didn't talk about this. We're not going to be able to cover everything, and I would encourage you to keep studying to read some of the recommended books in the growth group guide, to discuss some of those questions that you have with your growth group or with others. It's going to be a lifelong journey. Secondly, the other thing I would say is I'm not a counsellor or a psychologist. I'm a pastor. I've been trained to, to read, understand and apply the Bible. And this is what we'll be aiming to do in these next few weeks. But I will be leaning particularly on this book. It's called Untangling Emotions by Alistair Groves and Winston Smith. Alistair is a uh, a counsellor. He's an executive director at the Christian Counselling and Educational Foundation. Winston is a minister at St. Anne's Church in Pennsylvania. And this, I would say, is one of the best guides I've read on emotions. And a lot of the insights I'll be sharing in weeks to come, they will come from this book and from these authors. I would highly recommend it to you. Now, you might be thinking, why do a series on emotions? Maybe when you heard we were doing the series, I imagine there are all different kinds of reactions. Some of you might be thinking, or thinking, or some of you would prefer if we would just preach through a book of the Bible, which is what we normally do here. Others of you might be thinking, yes, I want to talk about emotions. I've got a lot of emotions. (laughs) Others of you might be fairly nonplussed. You might not really care. You don't really reflect on your emotions. You don't really think about your emotions. Whatever your reaction might be, I think that this is an important series for all of us for a number of different reasons. Firstly, because emotions are a biblical subject. The Bible talks a lot about emotions, and if you doubt this is true, read the Psalms. The Psalms practically overflow with emotion. John Calvin, John Calvin, none other than John Calvin, 
he said you will find every emotion in the Psalms. And so if the Bible speaks about emotions, we want to listen and we want to learn. Secondly, another reason that this is an important series for all of us, it's because all of us experience emotions. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you recognize it or not, we all experience all kinds of emotions. We are emotional creatures. Now, why is this the case? Well, the answer of the Bible is that we were created in the image of a God who expresses emotions. In the Bible, we see and we hear God's emotions, his anger, his joy, his sadness, even his jealousy. Now, of course, the way we experience emotions is different to God, but this doesn't change the fact that our emotions are one of the ways that we have been created to reflect God. And this means our emotions are an important aspect of our lives and our spirituality. They're not an enemy of our faith. They are a gift from God. Now, they have, like all things, been distorted by sin. They can lead us down dangerous paths. But they are a gift from God. They're an indispensable part of being human. And they are a critical part of our relationship to God and to others. But what is also true, and this is the third reason that this is an important series for all of us, is that all of us need help with our emotions. The reason we've called this series Untangled, it's because trying to make sense of our feelings, it can sometimes be like trying to untie a tangled piece of rope. We don't know where some of our feelings begin and end. We don't know why we feel a certain way, and more importantly, sometimes, what to do about it. I mean, have you ever thought to yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why did I react that way? What is going on with me? Martin Lloyd-Jones, who I mentioned last week, he wrote in a, a classic book of his called Spiritual Depression. He said, one of the greatest problems in our life in this world, not only for Christians, but for all people, is the right handling of our feelings and emotions. Oh, the havoc that is wrought and the tragedy, the misery that are to be found in the world simply because people do not know how to handle their own feelings. We need help when it comes to our emotions. And I think that this is especially true for Christians. Because I think Christians can have a complicated relationship with emotions. I don't know about you, but in my experience, sometimes I've found Christians feel bad for feeling bad. We assume that negative emotions are a sign of spiritual failure. That anxiety is proof that you don't trust God. That grief is a failure to rest in God's sovereignty. That anger is just plain selfishness. Now, of course, these things might be the case, but they're not always and automatically true. And this is why, rather than squash our emotions, we need to explore them. Rather than stuff them down, we need to pull them up. Rather than denying them, we need to examine them. Rather than saying to ourselves, I shouldn't feel angry, upset, sad. We need to ask ourselves, why do I feel anxious, angry, upset, sad? You know, Augustine, the great 
fifth century theologian, one of the most important theologians in the history of the church, he said our emotions often function like smoke from a fire. Now, if you smell smoke in your house, it's never a good idea to ignore it, especially if you've got children. Nor is it wise to just deal with the smoke, to try and just get rid of the smoke without trying to find the source of the smoke. And you see, Augustine is saying that emotions are not usually the problem, but they are often indicators of the problem. And so we need to pay attention to them. We need to get to the source of our emotions. So we're going to ask ourselves, what's going on in my heart? Why do I get so angry? Why am I feeling so sad? And of course, it's not just negative emotions. I would say Christians can even have a complicated relationship with positive emotions. We can sometimes feel bad for feeling good. We can feel guilty for feeling happy or content or satisfied. You know, sometimes we assume it means that we're not really in tune with the needs of other people or we're being prideful or we're being selfish. Now again, it might be the case, but it's not always or automatically true. That's why it's so important we learn to navigate and to engage with our emotions. Now the good news is that God has given us help in his word. The Bible not only speaks to emotions, the Bible also shows us and gives us the example of Jesus. Jesus shows us the perfect picture of human emotions. I mean, Jesus, we need to remember Jesus, who is fully God, he also became fully human. He was a real flesh and blood human being like you and me. He experienced real emotions like you and I do. But he expressed them without sin. And so we can learn from the example of Jesus. Now, let me give you just a few examples from the life of Jesus. There was a time when Jesus looked out over Jerusalem, the great city, and he saw all these people that God loved, but who were disconnected from God, and he felt deeply grieved. See that in Luke 19. Whenever there were religious leaders who cared more about their rules than people, Jesus' righteous anger towards them was because of their hypocrisy and their lack of love. When a bunch of followers came to Jesus to tell him about how God had used them to make a difference, Jesus felt overwhelming joy in the Holy Spirit in Luke 10. Before going to the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus knew what was about to come and he felt overwhelmed with sorrow anxiety. Then there's the example from John 11, from our reading today. Jesus is standing at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, and he is filled with grief, and he breaks down in tears. We're told that Jesus was deeply troubled, and that he wept. Now, I wonder if you have a category in your mind to think about Jesus weeping at a funeral. Even though he had the power to raise Lazarus from the dead, even though he would raise Lazarus from the dead in just a few moments' time, Jesus is filled with grief and sorrow because that is the appropriate response to loss. I mean, Jesus experienced the whole spectrum of human emotion, and this means you and I can and we should as well. The life, the example of Jesus, teaches us this important principle that all emotions have a good and a right place in our lives. 
even negative emotions like sadness, grief, and fear. They don't always suggest that something is wrong with us, that we're spiritual failures. They might suggest that we're responding appropriately to the fallen world around us. Here's the way Groves and Smith summarize this idea in their book. Say, our negative emotions, like God's, play a necessary role in our lives. They tell us that something is wrong. Just as happiness, joy, peace, contentment look around and conclude that things are as they ought to be, so disgust, annoyance, discouragement, and fury are designed to identify places where this fallen world is fallen, where disorder, damage, and destruction have broken something we rightly hold precious. Evaluating the world as fractured and being moved in response are deeply Christian experiences. In other words, let me paraphrase, sometimes it's good to feel bad. Sometimes it's the right response to the brokenness of life in this world. Now, there is a day coming when we will never feel sadness or anger or anxiety again because there will be nothing to be angry or sad or anxious about. Hallelujah. But until that day, you and I need to learn to navigate our emotions as we journey through this world together. And so this is what we're hoping to do in the coming weeks. And over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at today, understanding our emotions. Next week, engaging our emotions. Then navigating emotions together. Week four, nourishing healthy emotions. And then finally, starving unhealthy emotions. Now, as always, there is growth group guides available. I would encourage you to grab one of those and just to to use it on this journey over the next few weeks. And today, we'll we'll begin with understanding our emotions. What I want to do for the rest of our time together is just share four simple ways that emotions impact our lives. I want to unpack four things that God has designed emotions to do in our lives. I want to look at the role of emotions in our lives so that we can understand how better to engage with them in the weeks to come. So, four roles that emotions play in our lives. This is the first, if you're taking notes. Emotions communicate value. Emotions communicate value. Now, when we went away over the Christmas break, we stayed in a caravan park, which is great fun, especially for the kids, But if you've ever stayed in a caravan park, you know that you've also got to keep an eye on your kids, especially if they're little. There's cars around and bikes and lots of people. And so we told the kids, you know, you can't go past this certain point where we can see you. But sure enough, one day, my little girl, Eden, and her cousin Hudson broke free. They couldn't be found. Now, if you've ever lost a child in a public place, you know the feeling. You start to become filled with fear and anxiety, your heart pumps, your mind races, your palms become sweaty. You're not really at ease until your child is found. Now, why do we have such a strong emotional response? It's because something we love, something we value is threatened. Your fear is an expression of your love for your child. It's communicating something to you. These kids are precious to me and I don't want to lose them. Now, you've probably seen the little curly-haired girl running around, so you know that her and Hudson were eventually found. They got on their little trikes and decided to go exploring the caravan park. But here's the idea. Our emotions communicate what we value. 
what we love, what we care about. Why do I get ridiculously happy, ridiculously, when Queensland win the state of origin? <laughs> when Australia wins the cricket? It's because I value sport. Probably a bit too much. Okay, definitely too much. Don't judge me like that. Why can I feel a bit anxious if the bank account dips a little bit lower than I'd like it to be? It's because I value the security that money can give. Now, I'm not saying that that security is real, but it's important to be honest about why we feel what we feel so that we can speak God's truth to our minds and to our hearts. Our emotions communicate what we value. So what makes you happy, angry, sad, afraid, anxious? The answer to these questions will reveal what you value. That's why we need to learn to pay attention to the pattern of our emotions. They're kind of like gauges on the dashboard of your car. They tell you something about what is happening under the hood. Emotions communicate what we love and what we value. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Emotions help us to connect. Emotions help us to connect. Now think about the people in your life whom you feel the closest to. It's likely that you've had experiences with them where you've shared some of your deepest thoughts and feelings, where you've walked through some painful situations, where you've been really open and honest with one another. You've shared at a deeper level, and it's bound you together. This is why you can see your neighbor almost every day. You can see your colleague almost every day. But if all you ever do is wave to your neighbor over the fence, or if all you ever do is talk to your colleague about weather or sports, it's likely that that relationship is not going to move to a deeper level. Because it's shared experiences and emotions that bind us together that help us to connect, that help us to empathize with one another. And this is why the Bible says to us in Romans 12, verse 15, which we'll look at in more detail in a few weeks' time, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. In other words, we show our love for others by entering into their experiences, by being present with them in their emotions. Now, I've got to admit, I'm not very good at this. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, this is an area where I believe God is calling me to grow. And I think it's an important area where, where we all need to grow because the truth is, this is what God has done for us. He's entered into our experience. Not just to empathize with us, though he does. Hebrews 4 says we have a high priest who is not unable to empathize with us in our weakness. Jesus knows, he understands, but even more, he's come to do something about it. He's come to rescue us, to deal with our sin, to deal with our problems, to take them on himself so that we have hope for that day when there will be nothing to be sad, angry or anxious about, when he will make all things new. And so emotions communicate what we value. Emotions help us to connect. And thirdly, emotions motivate us. They move us to action. 
Think about the last time you got really angry. And maybe you only have to think of the car ride to church this morning. (laughs) Now, it feels like a surge of energy, doesn't it? Your heart begins to pound, your temperature rises, adrenaline rushes through your veins. It's suddenly like you've got to do something with the anger that's in you. This is why people often show their anger with physical responses. Slam a drawer, bang the steering wheel. Never done that. That's preferable to showing the international finger of displeasure, so bang that steering wheel. Smashing plates, punching walls. I mean, when we get angry, it feels like there is energy demanding to be released. And this is to serve a good purpose in our lives, but it can often be distorted and used in harmful ways. Or think about when we get happy, really happy. We say things like, I'm so happy I could burst. We can't sit still, we dance, we wave our arms around. Or when we feel compassion, when we see the plight of someone in need, we we, we think to ourselves, I've just got to do something about that. Moves us to pray, to give, to reach out. This is what emotions do. They've been given to us by God to move us to action, to put our values into action, to to pursue God's purposes. You know, many of you sponsor children through Compassion, a wonderful organization working to release children from poverty all over the world. But I wonder if you know the story of how Compassion got started. More than 65 years ago, there was a man named Reverend Everett Swanson, And he flew from Chicago to South Korea to minister to American troops who were fighting in the Korean War. And during his time there in Korea, he grew increasingly troubled by the sight of hundreds of war orphans living in the streets. They were totally abandoned, they were totally forgotten by society. And one morning, he saw some city workers scooping up what looked like a pile of rags and kind of dumping them in the back of a truck. And he walked up to the truck to get a closer look, and he was horrified to see that the piles of rags were orphans who had frozen and died during the night. And Swanson's revulsion, his horror, his compassion moved him to action. And he went home and he began the journey of starting the organization that is today known as Compassion. Now, I'm not saying you need to start a a global organization, but when you bring your emotions to God, he can use them to move you to action, to be a force for good in his world. Of course, our emotions can also do the opposite. They can move us down destructive and harmful paths, and we'll talk about that in weeks to come. But God has given our emotions to move us to action. Emotions communicate value, they help us to connect, they motivate us, and fourthly and finally, emotions turn us toward God. Like I said last week, God wants us to bring our whole selves and our whole hearts to Him. And this includes our emotions and our feelings, all of them. And this is essentially what we find in the Psalms, as I've already mentioned. We find every emotion in the Psalms. This collection of songs and poems and prayers. I mean, the author of the Psalms, they were not afraid to bear their hearts to God. Let me give you a a couple of examples. Psalm 6, verse 6. I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, 
I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. Psalm 22, verse 2, My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. That's being pretty honest with God. Psalm 88, verse 3, I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. God has put the Psalms in the Bible as an invitation to turn to him, no matter what we might be feeling. We don't have to deny our feelings, we can turn to God with our feelings. And the really good news is that when we turn to God, even with our darkest feelings, God does not turn away from us. This is one of our deepest fears, isn't it? Especially when it comes to other people. If they knew what I was really like, if they knew what I'd really done, if they knew the real me, they'd want nothing to do with me. They'd turn away from me. And we tend to assume the same thing about God. But God knows everything about us. Everything. And he does not turn away from us. He turns toward us in Jesus. Listen to this promise in Psalm 139. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. In other words, God, you know everything about me. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God knows everything there is to know about us, but he doesn't turn away from us. He doesn't let us go. He holds us fast. Even when we feel overwhelmed. Even when we feel like we don't know what to do. Even in the midst of our questions and doubts. We can throw ourselves into God's arms and he will not turn us away. And this is really the beginning of the journey towards emotional health. It's to know that we don't have to hide from God and we don't have to hold back from God. But we can turn to God with our whole heart and our whole selves and he will not let us go. Let's do that now. Let's pray. Father, I believe your spirit has brought us to a point where some of us are ready to get honest with you. Where some of us are ready to bring our whole hearts and our whole selves to you. And Lord, we thank you that we can do that knowing that you won't turn us away. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, Lord, but we can do it knowing that your right hand will hold us fast. That on the cross, you let go of your son so that you could never and so that you will never let go of us. So Lord, let that truth Move us, draw us to you. Lord, help us on the journey towards 
maturity and health in every area of our lives, Lord, including our emotions. We want to bring our whole selves and our whole hearts to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand for this blessing before we sing to the King of Kings? And if you would like to follow up in any way this week, can I just encourage you to get in touch with one of us at the office. We can begin the journey to, to walk alongside you, to support you, to pray with you, to encourage you. The Lord be the shelter above you, the tower around you, and the rock beneath you all your days.